What's up? I'm Josh Hoffman. And I'm Elon Benor, coming to you from the Google Startups campus in Tel Aviv. On this episode, we are joined by Rennie Greenspan, a Canadian host, video content creator, comedian, and influencer who represents brands like Adidas, eBay, Intel, and Schweppes. In her spare time, Rennie produces videos with her sister Eden, the host of Top Chef Canada, and she also sings in the greatest Tenacious D tribute band this world has ever seen. Enjoy our sit-down interview with the one and only Rennie Greenspan. Welcome to Turn Up Tel Aviv, where we take you inside the lives of Tel Aviv's most interesting people and personalities. For more shows and other original content about the lifestyle, culture, and people of Tel Aviv, check out telavivpresents.com. Okay, guys, let's get the show on the road. Rennie, we're super excited to have you here. You're so many things, your personality is so complex, and you're funny, and you're charismatic, and you're creative, and how does Rennie describe Rennie? Oh my God, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I'm super stoked to be here. Our pleasure. Ah! Um, how does Rennie describe Rennie? This was the question, and yes, I just referred to myself in third person. Um, I tend to say I really like the general term of entertainer because I find that I keep you know, kind of switching gears within that general box. So, you know, I started as like a comedic actress and host, and I still do stuff in that, but I'm also transitioning to comedy music and I, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all kinds of stuff in there. I don't know, always experimenting. Do you know, like, I think I, I told you the other day that I'm into like fantasy books. And I, my new goal in life right now is like, I'm going to adapt a dope ass, like I'm going to adapt a dope ass screenplay from an awesome, like hidden gem of an, of a fantasy novel from like the eighties or something. And I'm going to make like a feature length fantasy freaking adventure. That's like one of my goals right now that just came to me. So, but mostly I'm in the comedy sphere. Yes. (laughs) No, you're you're all over the place. I love it. Creator, everything, everything. Where what tell me about your background? How did this uh where did you where did this all come from? Okay, so basically, um, wow. Uh you know, I studied things that are unrelated to comedy and performance. I studied history and journalism, and I wanted to follow a little bit more of a conventional path, like a safer path. And then I came to Israel and I started working as a content writer at a creative startup. And my boss basically fired me and was like, you need to go be a star. And it took like somebody outside of me and my crazy brain to convince me to go after this dream of mine that like was just a dream I hadn't acknowledged, you know, out loud in public to myself or to anybody else. So that's exactly what I did. It took finally somebody else telling me to go do that to just go do that. And I started freelancing. You know, luckily I had videography skills from focusing on video journalism at journalism school. So I was all of a sudden like script writing and filming and editing and acting and hosting and modeling and like doing anything and everything I could as a freelance general entertainer in the video sphere um, to make money. And that's how everything started. Well, your sister Eden is also famous back in Canada. Yes. Was there something in the family? Is it the genes? Was there something that your parents uh, fed you guys? What makes you guys? What gives you guys that talent? You know, my mom is batshit crazy. Our mom is batshit crazy. <laughs> I say that with love. Love you, mom. She great. Um, but she really does have a lot of energy. And like our 
family dinners, every night at the dinner table, we were doing crazy performances. Like we never just chilled eating dinner. Like it was always like dinner time and up and dancing and performing and singing, you know? Um, And, you know, my parents always encouraged it. They were always laughing at us. They never said like, sit your ass down or like, shut up, we're in public. Like they laughed. We We always made them laugh. So... Uh, and my dad was just like a great audience member, you know, always busting out the camera, always, ha, 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 you know, like in his Israeli way. And by the way, speaking of like my, you know, my dad gave me great material, by the way, for like all the videos of mine that uh, ultimately are the reason why anybody knows my name, Israeli up videos. Like I'm making fun of Israelis there, but really I'm making fun of my dad. And that's, you know, he was the true Israeli that I was making fun of like my whole life. But um, yeah, maybe there was something in the water at home. No, it was just my mom and my dad being supportive. Yes. And and yeah, and my sister and I are best friends. We're nuts. We totally bounce off each other. Just good times in the Grinch band household. So you mentioned Hasreli Oates, the Israeli Girls in English, an all-female comedy group that makes satirical videos from an Israeli woman's perspective. You were mm-hmm. cast in 2017 Take us back to those like initial moments. What was your take? What was your vibe? What were your initial thought processes? So that's the beauty of embarking on a journey like this in a foreign country like Israel, or at least foreign to me, because pretty soon I was auditioning at Keshet for, or sorry, maybe cut that out actually, because I don't know if people know what's Keshet, even though I feel like they do know at this point that Israeli art is Keshet, No, it's right? okay. Yeah, yeah, everyone knows it. That's fine. Keep going. Okay, so... Basically, uh, without really realizing who I was doing this audition in front of, I did the audition for Israeliot, and I didn't understand that the people that I was auditioning for were pretty big deals in the media world in Israel. And, you know, being Israeli, they were all in friggin' T-shirts and, like, talking to me, mamash begovainayim, like, you know... Eye to eye. Eye to eye at my level not you know acting superior to me or acting like they were important or making me feel small in any way so i did this audition it went really really well because i was comfortable because i wasn't intimidated because i was like i don't know who you are and then um and then they asked me we actually had a moment like they loved my uh first few you know responses to their like producer questions that were meant to like open us up And then they sat me down in a meeting, like, I think the next week. And we're like, so what do you want to talk about? And I was like, what do I want to talk about? My God, I hate this freaking question. Like, people are always asking me, like, well, what do you want to say? And I'm like, I want to perform. What do you mean? What do I want to say? I don't don't know. But um, I realized up my sleeve that a lot of this natural, easy material that came to me was joking about Israelis (laughs) and Israeli culture. And so I said, you know, like, I mean, I can easily talk about the differences culturally between Israel and Canada. And he was like, great, cool, do it, done, great. And and then that's how everything unfolded. And that's how all, all my most popular videos unfolded. I wrote those on my own. Uh, the dictionary video, the Hebrew dictionary video, I actually wrote with my husband. Like, he became, like, a writing partner for me, you know, because especially, like, there were so many words that I didn't know that he was like, oh, my God, you should definitely talk about this word. And I'm like, what? Um, and from there, yeah, you know, that was it. It was totally a fluke, like, and I wasn't expecting any of it. And it was just me being open to this new experience and, and whoever was sitting right in front of me and like, just wanting to 
do the thing that was in front of me. And then it turned out that everybody saw it. Yeah, you, you kind of found overnight success. I mean, it was really, really quick. Um, share with our listeners, what's that feeling like when people started recognizing? Can you share with our listeners what that feeling was like when people started recognizing you on the street, asking for selfies, all of a sudden, like getting really excited. People know who you are, like screaming your name on the street. Yeah, it was really and it has been really, really bizarre. I'm awkward. I'm awkward as shite. And especially at the beginning, you know, um, when it first hit and like it really was overnight, like people were like, oh, you're Rennie, like overnight, exactly as you describe it. And um, I think something, you know, for the first two years that I was, quote unquote, famous or well known in the Tel Aviv area, I didn't leave my house like I that's how I reacted. I started to friggin hibernate because I felt like, you know, going out to different places in Tel Aviv, especially me with like just the natural volume of my voice and shit like that, like people I felt all the time all the time and whether this was true or not I felt it I just felt eyes on me constantly like and I was one of those people when I lived in New York back in the day like if anybody ever looked at me on the subway I was one of those people who was like can I friggin help you like what are you looking at what like it's one of my biggest pet peeves so um yeah it it didn't I wasn't cool about it I, like I was and I was nice to people, but I felt this overwhelming feeling of like not wanting to let people down. So if I was in a bad mood, you know, I had to like put on this fake smile and be like, thank you so much. And like pretend to be like this like super happy person that they thought I was. But it's all like, you know, it's all in your head. And thankfully, like it kind of also pushed me to grow up and realize that like nobody actually cares about you. And like you just need to do you. Take us through that like psychological process of like having this overnight success and now you're a public figure in Tel Aviv to now sort of being more of like maybe a professional about it where you just kind of accept it for what it is and you've certainly probably learned a few things about how to deal with it. Like what has that process been like for you? Yeah, very gradual. And, you know, now um, I was saying earlier to you guys like off the podcast that, uh, you know, at this point I'm like, I don't care when people like me and I don't care when people don't like me because in order to not care when people don't like you you need to not care when people like you because what you realize is that nobody knows you nobody knows you and they can make whatever judgments that they want you know on how I was on the street that day or on you know how I was in the video that day and like make a comment about you know I I get a lot of negative comments about like Jesus, Hamimi Kotshela, like she can she calm down? Like this bitch is clearly on drugs. Like <laughs> I've gotten a few comments like that, more than I can count. And uh, the thing that you know, I really don't care about it anymore because it's really not about me. Every comment that any every person ever says is about them, and they don't know you. And so, and also when people are like, "Oh my God, I love you. You gave me so much," I'm like. I don't say this to them because it's not nice, but I'm like, you don't know me. Like for all, even the people who love me know I'm a huge dick. Like, you know what I mean? It, so uh, I think it's just not taking anything to heart, anything, and only caring about your own approval of yourself. That's incredible. 
uh, Renny, you're you're I, from what I've seen, you're an amazing performer. Does that come natural? Can you can you give us some insight on what it's like to be on stage in front of a huge audience? Is any fear? Any stress? Is is it just freedom of expression? You're being too kind to me. Yes, it is scary as shit. No, no, no. Performing is brutal. Um, I you know I love singing, and I think that that's you know been a really, really great uh, direction to head into with my husband is like comedy music because, you know, you have your lines, you work on them behind the scenes, and then you're just able to go and forget about how you're going to say what because everything is to the tune of a song. And I really enjoy singing and I love Disney songs. And I was always considered myself a Disney friggin' princess because I love shit like that so much. And I love musical theater and I love musical, you know, all types of musicals. So, so that was like a supernatural transition for me. Straight up stand up is petrifying. And I tried it like five times. And uh, it's scary. It's really scary. But I'm, I've actually been thinking that I need to go back to it. Because as scared as I am for it, you know, the fear comes from fear of what other people think of you. And as we said earlier, like, I'm trying to throw that out the window. Who cares what other people think of me? And if this is only for like my own self growth, then like I should definitely do it because I also believe that like, we should all really do what scares us most. And like, if something really scares you, that's the thing that you should really do. Um, and so, oh God, you know, I'm like working on my stand up again. And I think I'm going to go back and try that. And that is nuts because just picture that. I mean, like you, a microphone, no music, no nothing, five minutes, make these people laugh. Go. Yeah, but five minutes is nothing. <sighs> so you think. You think five minutes is nothing, but five minutes can be an eternity. I had five minutes of material, like easy peasy done, as you say. And then like I freaked out about performing it so hard. Like my nerves were so bad that I ran through it was making people laugh like was definitely getting laughs but like I was done it in three minutes and then for the last two minutes I was like <gasps> I'm done and and like people in the back you know were like keep going like you still have time to cover and I'm like ah, I've got nothing I'm sorry uh, it's crazy I mean you've been making me crack up for the past 30 minutes so it seems like something's Here? working for you yeah I've just been cracking up really <laughs> no so no I'm being chill so you mentioned the comedy music and you're actually you and your your husband as we said in the intro you guys sing in what you guys call the greatest tenacious d band a tribute band that this world has ever seen that is correct tell us like what's the fascination maybe the obsession with jack black and how did tenacious d and the tribute band come to life okay well first of all you know that uh the greatest tenacious d tribute that sentence is like a sentence that they use about themselves like Tenacious D says, like, we are the greatest band that has the world has ever seen. So, like, we just stole their thing. Um, but Jack, I think you can tell if you ever see, like, me do my crazy big shit side by side with his crazy big shit. I don't know if I don't think we're definitely not the same, but he's a huge idol for me because I really do see myself in him also. Like I just see like how spastic and psycho he is and I can really connect with that. <laughs> and, uh, and I just think he's truly the funniest human on the planet. I really, really do. And that was how like Hadar and I connected when we first got together. It was like one of the, one of our shared interests was Jack. And I was like, if we get together, I need to know that I'm, if we meet him, that, 
I can be with him and sleep with him. And like, that's a hall pass. And he was like, fine, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of. Yeah, yeah. No, so basically, I don't know. It came about organically. We like, we just, you know, started doing this show. And and Hadar, by the way, is like a social media genius. Like he's the reason why we sold out the show. We sold out 700 tickets. And Tenacious D is considered a niche market. And everybody showed up. Everybody went nuts. We got amazing footage of 700 people cheering Beyachad together. Bring the D to Israel. And that's what we sent to Tenacious D's manager. That's what got us in backstage at their concert in London. And that's what got us to meet them. And then that's also what got them to promise us that they're coming to Israel. Just saying. So if they come to Israel, we're going to all, the whole country is going to be saying thank you to you. That is correct. Speaking of Hadar. Mm-hmm. Can you shed some light on the the day, or should I say the night you met your now husband? Because you've read about it. Is that why you're asking? I know about it, but please tell our (laughs) listeners. Um, No, it was love at first sight. I urinated on the side of Evan Virol, and he was like, that's it. We shall be married. We shall be one. (laughs) And now you've got this sparkling diamond ring that's blinding me. That's right. It's beautiful. No. Listen, Hadar is such a good man. I knew from day one that he was strong because he saw... I was just out of a a breakup. Like I I was, you know, I had totally let myself go at this point because I was like depressed from like breaking up with my ex-boyfriend and like not that much time had gone by. So I was not trying to snatch a man into my web. You know what I'm saying? And I was just being myself and I was being grotesque and I was being like a friggin' animal and he was down. And that's how I knew. I was like, okay, I like you. We're good. We're going to be good forever because he's just... There was so much shit he saw in those first three days that he was just like, he didn't even react to. And I was like, oh, you're amazing. Like, he is definitely a catch. He's a strong man. How does he handle you? How does he handle all the wild, 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 wild Rennie? I don't know, man. And he saw, no, I'm telling you, he saw some crazy shit that those first three days. And I said some crazy shit to him. He was like leaning in to kiss me. And I was like, don't. Get me fucked up first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. No. And and I don't know. How does he handle it? You know, Hadar also has a psycho sister, actually, who is my best friend. Me and Hadar's sister are the same age and we're BFF. And I'm like, I thank her every day because I feel like she prepared him for me. You know? <laughs> What's it like being married to an Israeli? Like, what are some of the things that you're like, wow, like, that's exactly why I want to be married to an Israeli? And what are some of the things on the uh, opposite end of the spectrum where you're like, I've never seen that before. I'm still not used to that. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, this is a hard question to answer because I haven't been with a non-Israeli in six years. So everything that he does in our relationship or everything that, I, you know, it just feels like our relationship. And I can't say whether it's like Israeli or not anymore because it's just become a practice of accepting myself and ergo accepting all of his stuff. So I don't fight anything anymore. You know, we're we're past the point where I'm like, we're trying to change anything about each other. We don't do that anymore. Like we had a phase of like, why do you do this? And it's over. Um, but yeah, there's like, I mean, I'm sure there's lots that's just escaping me right now. There's like, you know, uh, you know, what was a big issue for us for a really long time? I'm Canadian. I'm sensitive. I don't freaking say all the truths in the world to a person's face. And he being Israeli, you know, thinks he's doing good by me by being brutally honest all the time. 
And because especially we started like creatively collaborating on a lot of work stuff of mine, uh, he would come over to me and like I'd be editing a video and he'd be like, change this, change this, change this, change this. And I would get so mad and offended and be like, you better back your ass up. And instead, no, and I would get so offended. Oh, my God. But I, I, I think that's also been a part of like growing in a relationship like now his criticism doesn't feel like an attack. It feels like we're helping each other, even though it's still criticism, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and in one of our previous conversations off the air, you had mentioned how Satya therapy has somehow changed your life and saved your relationship. Mm -hmm. Can you shed some light on that? Yeah. Oh my God. I recommend this shit to all people everywhere. It's so funny. There was a cover story of me on Lady Globes and like they really went into it because it has really dominated like all my life's co life conversations in the past while. Um, I've officially been in this type of therapy for like two years and my person doesn't even call it therapy. It's just like, like kind of coaching and it's all about breathing and remembering to breathe and pause and you don't need to answer right away and listening to your body and being conscious and aware of your body and where you're holding your tension and breathing into that area and also, you know, especially in in sessions with your your with your coach, uh, kind of like doing inner child work and like talking to uh, the younger self version of yours that experienced that same stressful feeling in this part of the body that you're feeling right now when you tell the story, you know, like going back and saying, OK, where else did you feel this feeling? Let's talk to yourself in this scenario that has come up. And at first scenarios come up and you're like, this feels totally irrelevant to everything. Um, but there's always, you know, your mind always, it's, it's amazing how like precise every thought that comes into your mind really is like on a subconscious level. It's really cool. And it just teaches you like emotional responsibility. Like I used to be, be really, really good at pointing the finger at everybody and saying like, I'm upset because you did this and I'm upset because he did this and I'm upset because she did this. And then like this whole past two years I've it's just been this journey of realizing that like all of my emotional states at all times are directly controlled by me I determine everything I control everything I control my experience every day so um so you realize like it's all your own shit it's like holding up a mirror to you and being like oh fuck this is who I am this is how I am but not being judgmental of yourself about it and accepting and loving yourself and then that's where, you know, the magic happens. The magic happens. Yes. Tell us, Renny, where do you find your creativity? Where do you get your ideas? Where do you get your inspiration? Where do you get your motivation? How do you be you? <gasps> I love you. Um, you know, it's funny because I thought my, you know, for the past several years, I've been struggling with this idea that I'm a comedian or a comedic writer because I never thought of myself that way before. And I never really thought that I had anything that interesting to contribute or to say. And then you grow up a little and you realize like, oh, this idea that I'm having every day that I think is like so generic because like it's so normal in my own brain is actually very special and nobody else is thinking this and it is original. And I think everybody actually has that. I think everybody is thinking in ways that like, you know, we're such poor communicators as a society and like so much stays in our heads. And I think like, we're all thinking these truly original thoughts that we just don't think of as original because 
we live in our brain every day. But, um, you know, that being said, I just think it's about communicating or getting out on paper those types of thoughts. And like, I think just like anybody else, I'm a product of like, you know, my day and what I'm exposed to. I'm a product of like, right now I'm working part time in the corporate world. I wish I could joke about that more, but I can't because I still work there. <laughs> um, and uh, and my marriage and relationships, like everything that I've discovered about myself from marriage and Satya and, you know, Pilates and just your experience every day. My dog, shit she does. Like, you know, I wouldn't even say that I'm like a big news reader and I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm actually mostly like consuming like pop culture shit. Like I watch a lot of YouTube you know bullshit podcasts and like stuff like that that like really to like an adult adult who reads the news is like they give zero value but um it's what I like <laughs> uh and I yeah I think I answered right yes yeah just this is this isn't a bullshit podcast I'm just gonna I'm gonna edit that out but I just want to you're right you're right you're right you're right no don't edit that out you're right this not this bullshit podcast I love this podcast he 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 Wow, Rennie, your life has really taken a turn for what I think is, is the better in the past few years. Probably like something like a 180, and I'm really proud of you. You're so sweet. I love you. What advice would you give to the 18-year-old Rennie? <gasps> That's a good question. Chill the fuck out, bitch. Chill out. Calm down. Nobody else cares about what you're doing, so do what you want. Nobody cares. I know that sounds dark and like cold, but it's so liberating. Nobody cares about what you are doing. So do whatever the fuck you want to do and have fun. Have fun with it because that's the only way you're ever going to do anything that you enjoy ever in your life is if you just make the focus and the goal fun. You know, I feel like for the past 10 years, I've been this type A hyper pro hyper productive like ooh like gotta make a crazy you know I have this list on my phone ongoing I'm still working on getting rid of my list okay because it runs my life it's like I wake up I check my list what do I have to do today okay inevitably I always put like 20 things on my list at least five more than I know that I could feasibly finish I make it so that I fail at the end of every day you know like I make this list that's like you can't finish this list like ever and and then I inevitably let myself down every day because I wasn't as productive as the you know as I planned to be and it's like fuck productivity especially since my new thing is that you will be productive when you have fun and like my dad always said that to me and I never believed him or listened to him because I was so type a and I think he's right. I think like have fun, have a passion, enjoy yourself. And then you will do the work with a smile on your face and it won't feel like work. And then you'll be amazing at it. Absolutely. And that's actually, in my eyes, a very rare quality. And society as a whole really admires people that can be themselves and, and, pe and people that are in tune with who they want to be. And they're not afraid. And that's where the, the true magic comes from. I think that's why I love Jack so much. Jack doesn't give a fuck. And you see it. You see how little he cares. He's like, he does whatever he wants and he says ridiculous shit. And like, that's what you end up loving about him because it's crazy authenticity. It's amazing. That's what I want. That's what I want for myself. 
If we gave you a million dollars today, assuming you don't have a million dollars, maybe you do. If we gave you a billion dollars today, Ooh. what would you do with it? Oh, God. I have no idea. That is such a hard question. Um, I mean, I want to be the person that's like, give to charity. <laughs> but evil laugh. Evil laugh. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. Um, I would probably fund my fantasy epic feature film movie. The Which is? Which is probably going to be based on Dagger Spell from 1986. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Yeah, I would definitely fund an epic fantasy film. That's what I would do. I would produce the shit out of that and I would get all the best people to work on it. And I would be the star. Like, I would make myself the star, obviously. What's your fantasy about fantasy? I just love fantasy. You know, it's such a great way to make comments about human nature without feeling attacked because you're transported to this like tire entirely whole other planet and with like all these different creatures and you don't on the surface see yourself in that world. But then like it comes out that like they're making some comment about like human nature and how we are in battle or this or that. And like, I don't know. It's just like a, and I, I don't, I just love, I love warlocks and wizards and fairies and gnomes and golems and or golems, whatever. And like just giants and dwarves and magic and, and adventure and like romance. You need romance in there for show. And uh, you can create the most beautiful worlds too. I find that like, just like epic levels of artistry happen in like beautiful, well done fantasy films. Are you a Harry Potter fan? <laughs> yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> the biggest. My my first email account was I love H Potter at hotmail.com. <laughs> and then I went to London to search for Daniel Radcliffe to F his face. But I couldn't find him. When I was like eleven. <laughs> So you've been around the world a little bit, London. You're from Toronto. <laughs> what what brings you to Tel Aviv? What, what what's keeping you here? Hadar. Oh, what's keeping me here? Well, Hadar brought me here. It was love, love that brought me here. Like every other English speaking woman in this godforsaken city, <laughs> we're all here for Israeli penis. Um, and uh, what? Yes, exactly. The big Israeli penis. And well, let's see what has kept me here has actually been the success, you know? Like, it's been like, I kept thinking that I would move back to Toronto and then opportunities kept opening themselves up for me. You know, even now, like, I find that, you know, I'm having potentially a great new opportunity to start a podcast with Tel Aviv Presents. Another bullshit podcast. Stop it! It's going to be the most amazing podcast ever. Uh, second to your podcast. And, uh, and all kinds of things, you know, like... As Josh told me, like, you know, I'm a big fish in a pretty small pond here. So it's like opportunities do come about all the time. So they've definitely been keeping. I think that's what's been keeping me here. What was the first time you said to yourself, wow, I made it here? You know, I don't think I ever had that moment because I'm such an asshole to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hard on myself. I don't think I ever had that moment where I was like, I'm good now. I've got it. I achieved this. Go me. Never. That was like I grew up wanting to go to an Ivy League school. And then I got to Columbia. And then I didn't care anymore. Like the second I was there, I was like, whatever. What's my next dream? Oh, I got here. Guess it doesn't mean much because I got here. And I suck. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, you actually grew up in, a, in an all-girls school, right? Yes. Does that have any Im- impact on who you are today? How was yes, that? Yes, yes. That was where I found myself. Oh, oh, my God. That's the only thing. You know what's another goal of mine in Tel Aviv? There are clubs, all women's clubs, all around London. Have you been to London recently? Have you ever been to, like, nope. one, one... Oh, my God, really? It's so fun. I love that city. They... They have like gentlemen's clubs and ladies' clubs and like Harry Potter clubs. It, it feels like that, okay? By the way, my high school felt like that. There were four houses and prefects at my high school. I was a house head and I won house cup like the year that I was house head. And I was like running around my school being like, wins a house. Like, eh. and, um, and, but my dream for Tel Aviv, actually, there is this one workplace here. It's like a mind space for women only. What's with, it called? With Merckspace? Something with a P? P- Pantera? Pantera? Potentially. <laughs> but there's also School of Shine. You know School of Shine, right? Yeah, what do they do, though? School of Shine is like uh, founded by our friends, Zoe Flamenbaum, Women's Empowerment, Workshops, cool. Social Meetups, all types of stuff. So that's the thing. Like, I, you know, I should go, I should partake in both of those things because I love women, uh, women-centric you know, environments. I know you're giving me that face, but it's true. There's like, there's lots of like women's circles that I, that I try to join that like, you know, we all get together and share and like talk about how we're all goddesses. And like, I just, I really connect with women. And I think it's from my all, all girls school days. And it's where I really feel comfortable. I love women. No, I do too. And I have some really good friends. I just want to share. I have some really good friends that they have full moon nights and they actually howl at the moon and I'm dying to join, yes. but they will not let me. No, you're not allowed. You're a boy. Get out <laughs> of here. I want to howl at the moon. Girls rule. Boys drool. Stop. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> it's good to be a woman. I'll tell you what. It's funny because uh, pretty sure Pantera, uh, there was like some, I don't know if I should talk about this actually. You should absolutely talk about that continue i don't know <laughs> i don't know the facts though hard hard but like there was some sort of controversy with like religious men wanting to close down pantera i think because it was like they said based on discrimination because it wasn't letting men in and i'm like that's funny because women aren't allowed in any goddamn synagogue in this country so what the hell <laughs> really upsetting and like i think there should be safe spaces for women you know we still are in a male dominated economy and world economy and uh you know the conversation is still or like most of like hollywood is still dictated i feel by like i don't know men's shit and men's prerogatives as much and as much as like the conversation is shifting towards women it really hasn't shifted yet and it completely and it's there's still this like resentment i see on like men's faces when women are talked about as like a group and it's like bogus like no i don't know i don't want to stroke your ego anymore but i truly think you are really talented you're a great performer um i I want to ask you if you think you would have you found almost overnight success here in tel aviv could this have happened anywhere else in the world so first of all thank you secondly no i totally talked about this also at a I hosted like um, some sort of English event for uh, like MASA participants who were coming here for like job opportunities in English. And one of the things that I said to the audience was like, my success could never have happened this fast anywhere else. And it's because the country and the market here is so small that within six months of deciding to freelance, 
my image got on the computer screen of those super important people that ended up directing Yisraeliot. And that would never have happened anywhere else because the it's just there's so many more people and so much more competition. And um, and I'm really, really grateful, really, really grateful to have found success here, especially since like Israel's a great place to find success. There are lots of you know, it's funny because you don't expect it, but there are lots of connections also between Israel and California and L.A. And people, lots of people in L.A. are looking at the scene here and looking at what's going on and like reaching out and like it, it actually is a brilliant place to start a career which is something that I never I didn't do it on purpose and I never thought about it but now it's something I actively encourage other people to think about where do you see yourself going in the next few years what's the vision for Renny Greenschmidt yes um I think I want to be like a, an awesome band with Hadar I want us to have like different costumes I want us to have a band name I want us to have like you know a full album I think I want to do like a concept album where like we have like a freaking story we tell a story you know and then we can take that album and make it into like a full-blown movie musical or some shit you know or like a even like a big play and like make like a you know you know you know you know I I just I would love I love getting back into music I also see myself like maybe auditioning for Broadway wow <laughs> Wow, you can. I think I can. You know, I think I can sing. I love singing. I was always so afraid of it. Why? Why? Is there any conflict when you guys mix business and pleasure? There used to be. And we've gotten so much better at it. That that's. It used to really affect our relationship. Because I'd be like, F you. Nobody asked for your opinion on this. Shut up. And he'd be like, I'm trying to make it better. You crazy. And like, we would definitely fight. Um, but now again, like most, you know, I had, it just so happened. I swear to God, I, I would never have chosen or opted to creatively collaborate and become a partner with my husband I, on the surface. I think it sounds fucking stupid. Like who would, who would do that? Who would choose to do that and to like risk your creative relationship or your God forbid your romantic relationship and like your actual relationship. Like that's awful. Um, but it just so I couldn't fight it because I just value not only it's not only about valuing his opinion the most. I really do believe objectively that Hadar's ideas are the best. Like he says shit and I'm like, you're so right. You're a bloody genius. Yes, we're going to do that. Like he is so funny. He is so creative. He is so hitting the nail on the head all the time. I'm trying to say something and he's like, oh, you mean like this? And I'm like, God bless you. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. Like he and it's fun to write with him. We've gotten into a great flow. Like we're having a lot of fun and we don't stress about it. Like we if we haven't written this week, we're not like, <gasps> what's going on? No, no, no. no, we're trying to have fun. We do it. Shilanu. And um, and he really is so talented. And I'm so grateful and lucky to have like such an amazing creative partner. Really. I have this vision in my head. I'm just trying to add this vision that he had this very amazing proposal how did he propose to you um was it was it amazing Hadar I'm kidding <laughs> it was amazing but it was like we went away to the weekend to have you guys ever been to Midbara no Ooh, you missing out boys it's uh it's like this beautiful simmer in the middle of the desert okay and it's really awesome and romantic and it's one of my favorite places in the country and Hadar took me there for the weekend and then when we came back 
uh, we were outside of our apartment and he put uh, he blindfolded me and brought me into the apartment and then like revealed that like the whole apartment was covered in like roses and balloons and candles and all these things. And he said it this amazing romantic speech because he's super romantic. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, I'll marry you. Yes, yes. And then within five minutes, all of our friends walked in. Like he had everybody waiting outside and like everybody came in. And then we went to the shuk and ate at Shmuel, everybody together. It was really nice. And uh, and he didn't decorate the room, by the way, because he was up at the friggin simmer with me. He had like our friend do it. That's why I was like, was it amazing? I always joke that, like, our friend Omer proposed to me. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, before we let you go, what's your parting piece of advice to our listeners? Whoa. Um, I think the what I, what I said to myself as an 18-year-old, have fun. Don't give a fuck what other people think as hard as, you know, I heard Chaya said that, Chaya Lev, and, like, she has mastered that better than me, I think, in life, but it's still something that I would preach to other people even if I haven't mastered it myself yet. So it's... Don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks because nobody is thinking about you. Nobody even cares and do what you love. And if you don't know what that is, experiment and try different things and see what you love and then just have fun and make your goal to have fun every day. Well, I've had an amazing time. I've been having a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming out. Cheers. Renny Greenspan, a.k.a. Renny G. Renny G Show. Renny G. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much. You're the best. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Wow, Elon, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you or someone you know wants to be featured on Turn Up Tel Aviv or one of our other podcasts, don't be a stranger. Send us an email at magic at telavivmedia.group. Yes, that's dot group, not dot com. New Elon, lolachfo. Yalla, bye. Thanks for listening to Turn Up Tel Aviv. For more episodes, visit turnuptelaviv.show. And for more shows and other original content about the lifestyle, culture, and people of Tel Aviv, check out telavivpresents.com.